0: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports.
1: One-one pitch, fastball pulled the, best, Alvarez toward the corner. Get, up, Bob, get up, get
0: out of here, Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at
2: cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Thursday, March 19th, welcome to the show, Fantasy Baseball Today. Wanna thank Chris for hosting yesterday. I want to thank Ariel Cohen for coming on and doing an awesome job. Very good show, guys. Much appreciated. I'm Adam Azer with Chris and Scott. How's Thursday going for you guys? It's going good. It's going fine. Yeah. It's just dandy. Nice Thursday. It's a nice Thursday, right? Chris, good Thursday. What's that? What are you what are you doing? You didn't listen to me like two minutes ago for the mic check. You're not listening to me now. I said it's a nice Thursday. Are you having a nice Thursday?
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> what?
0: I heard a sound that sounded like cellophane. I imagine he's eating Smarties over there. I don't know why that, that came to mind. That's what yeah. I that's what I picture Chris doing right now. Uh, Are you eating Smarties?
1: I did have some Sweet Tarts yesterday. I'm a big really? Sweet Tarts fan. Uh, close. Close. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Adam
0: rolled his eyes at that. <laughs>
1: uh, it's so strange. It was like a normal Thursday, you know, maybe a weird Thursday. Uh, I had Chef Boyardee for lunch. Mm. So oh. your, you know, your I, I, judgment of my Thursday may differ.
2: Let me tell you about Chef Boyardee. I have a stockpile of canned food that I bought about three weeks ago. Did I tell this story? I hope I didn't.
1: No,
2: I don't think. Yeah, and some of it is Chef Boyardee because when I first bought all this canned food, the virus was just starting to, you know, break out a little bit, but it it was still a pretty small thing, I guess. So, I bought this stuff, and I was like, I'm probably not going to need any of this, so I bought the cheapest stuff. And then as it became more obvious that I my shopping and movement was going to be restricted, I bought some better canned food to stash. So basically. If I have to eat chef boyardee that means we are in code red in America. It is it is the way back of the uh, of the stock for me.
0: I I act, I eat every now and then I eat chef boyardee. It's a nice little nostalgia trip. I'm not repulsed by it. It's, I think it's okay. it was just
1: uh I think it's probably the first time I've eaten it since like college at least and uh it wasn't bad. You know, it was fine. You um, can eat it
0: cold too, which is kinda it's it's good okay. hurricane prep food in case the power you lose power, you don't have any heating element.
2: Yeah, yeah. Alright, well uh that just I don't think I've ever had it, so hopefully hopefully it you won't never, come to that. What? I you know you what you've
0: never had Chef Boyardee? <laughs> sheltered
2: life. I probably with. have. I ate so much Velveeta but, but hey, real quick, real quick. Velveeta or craft.
1: Uh, uh a is I, I like got, a different thing I don't really think of like Velveeta singles Velveeta mac and cheese it's like uh, I just think of like the block of coagulated
2: (laughs) cheese Kraft doesn't have well Velveeta's the answer okay so I asked people on Twitter for a bold prediction we're gonna start the show we might do this for the next week or so who knows Uh, but I have a bunch of answers I'm gonna pick one a day that's the plan anyway I'm not going to be on the show tomorrow so Chris you need to start tomorrow's show with a bold prediction Uh, a listener bold prediction not yours So this one comes from Danny Perez. Bold prediction. Bo Bichette will be better than Vlad and Cattell Marte this season. Bo Bichette better than Vlad and Cattell Marte. Scott, what do you think about that bold prediction?
0: It's not a crazy prediction. I'm I'm almost not sure it's bold enough, to be honest. No, I'll take it. It's fine. Everybody ranks him lower than those two. It's fine. He certainly has the upside to be better than them. Um, if you want to be brand yourself as the Bo Bichette guy, go right ahead.
2: He was so good, Bo Bichette. He's going to be twenty. Well, he's twenty-two years old now. In the month of March, so I don't know the specific date, but he's twenty-two. He batted three eleven with eleven home runs, with four steals and eight attempts in forty-six games, and he's expected to bat leadoff this year, which is nice. His career minor league numbers, 321, three eighty five, fifteen slash line with 73 steals in 323 games. And, yeah, he just had a, a great 46-game season last year. What concerns you about Bo Bichette? To me, there's only one thing that really jumped out, and that was first 26 games he had a 1073 OPS. Last 20 games he had a 733 OPS. So maybe they figured him out, although the plate discipline was a little bit better in the last, in those last 20 games. But Chris, what concerns you about Boba Uh,
1: the only real concern is just that he hasn't done it. Uh, anytime you're spending, you know, a top 100 top 75 in this case, pick on a guy who doesn't have this kind of track record. There's a lot of risk. You know, we get really excited, uh, about young guys, but you know, he played 46 games maybe the the league hadn't caught up to him. he played a lot in September against uh you know lesser caliber of opponents, so it's possible that he just he gets a little overexposed in his first full season but no there there aren't many uh many holes you can poke in his profile um struck out much less than once per game i power if you have to. If you have to look for something, he may not hit for a ton of power.
2: How would you guys rank Bo Bichette, Marcus Simeon, Carlos Correa?
0: You just ranked him for me. Congratulations. <laughs>
2: hey, thank you. All right, Bo Bichette, Simeon, Correa. I think Chris is going to go Correa, Bichette, Simeon. I think so. Yeah, I know Chris. I know Chris very well. That Chef Boyardee's sweet tart-eating dude. All right. <clears throat> thank you for the bull prediction, Danny Perez. Make sure you sign up for our newsletters, cbssports.com slash newsletter. We've got a bunch of different ones, so you can pick the ones you like, but there is a Fantasy Baseball Today newsletter. Make sure you're in our Facebook group, and make sure you're leaving us a nice review on Apple Podcasts with your questions. Um By the way, it is newsletters. Sorry, cbssports.com slash newsletters with an S at the end. But Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. and there are four. There's the HQ Daily, the Pick 6, the Fantasy Football Today, and Fantasy Baseball Today. And another announcement. If you're going to leave us a nice review, make sure you do it in the Fantasy Baseball Today feed, not the Fantasy Football Today feed. Because I appreciated it, but the most recent comment in the Fantasy Football Today feed on Apple Podcasts is about Ariel Cohn's guest appearance yesterday. So, you know. I understand the logos look exactly the same, but (laughs) just try to pick the (laughs) right one. Uh, Ariel did a great job on yesterday's show. It was very insightful stuff. One of the things he said was that he felt like closers would lose value in a shortened season. And because he thought that one of the reasons he thought that managers would have a quicker hook if the game, if the season is shortened, they don't have the patience to wait out somebody's struggles. And another thing that came to mind is, is something. That I first, in my head, applied it to closers, but maybe it just applies to everything. But if you play 162 games, the best closers are going to run up the saves. And their, their lead in saves, okay, not necessarily the best closers, but the ones who get the most saves, are going to have more and more saves compared to the competition over time. If you shorten the season, there's obviously going to be less of a gap between the saves leader and the the middle-of-the-pack guys or even the low-end guys. That's going to be the case for every stat, obviously. But I do wonder if it makes the biggest difference from a fantasy standpoint with saves. Since, you know, it's not like RBIs. There are fewer of them. And (laughs) you've only got two or three on your team. You know what I'm saying? See, I feel like the
0: opposite point came up on the show yesterday, where if you're de- dealing with a smaller sample of games, there's less time for uh, for uh, the guys who pull way ahead or fall behind really quickly. There's less time for those stats to normalize. I mean, a guy can a guy can rack up 20 saves in two months' time. That that's certainly happened before. Shane Green last year. Yeah, yeah. But but there's so. but
2: there's just going to be a smaller gap. I, it might be harder to win your category. You know, by a convincing margin, anyway, in saves because every every stat, if you ha- if you play a shortened season, every stat there's going to be a smaller gap between the leaders and everyone else, right? It just makes sense. Um, if you played out 162 games, the gap would widen, I would think, anyway.
1: Since there, there, since it comes to a shortened season, there's a lot of uh, you know, factors to take into account, a lot of in and outs, a lot of what have used, but um, you know, <laughs> it's. Wait, can I finish my thought? That we're
2: gonna, what's that? Let me finish my thought, and then you then you can respond. Uh, since saves as a roto category probably has the well, actually I guess wins. This would apply to wins too. Anything that has a low total, yeah, right. Yeah, you know, the shorter season, I guess, brings a little more parity. Kind of makes it bunchier and hard. I don't, and maybe more less, maybe more unpredictable in terms of who's going to win the category. It's definitely that. Yeah. I mean, it's going to make every category harder
1: to predict because there's going to be more outlier performance on the good and bad ends. But I think one key thing that we're going to find out eventually that we can't really account for right now is what the shape of a potentially shortened season looks like. You know, I talked about it yesterday, but when the NBA had their shortened season because of the the lockout, uh, they had a lot fewer days off during the season. They played a lot of Back uh, to back to back, more back to backs. And if that's the case in baseball, if we see more double headers, if we see, which seems likely, you know, maybe they try to keep a relatively normal amount of days off, but they go to more double headers, maybe you're looking at a situation where the saves are also distributed a lot differently. Yeah. Because closers aren't going to have as many opportunities to pitch in every game. Definitely. Or in every save situation, at least.
2: Totally agree. I'm having trouble figuring out how the tap Hap AMC or whatever you want to call it, how the Marmol strategy works in a shortened season. Maybe it's not worth speculating because we don't know what the season's going to look like. We don't even know if there's going to be a season. <laughs> we don't, unfortunately. And we don't. I'm having I don't like to think about
0: that, that scenario yeah. now. So, yeah. Let's just that's for my peace of mind, let's not
2: if that if there's no baseball season, that means i chef boy r d definitely happens <laughs> 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 all right, so yeah, you should just you should just open it up
0: and try i it, can't i on.
2: Scott i cannot Here's... touch that stash. I will not touch that stash of would, food until I'm born out with of food. a
0: silver spoon in your mouth if you've never had chef boy r d
2: no, it's not that it's just like i can't i I have a set of food that is emergency only. Chef Boy, <laughs> maybe I'll go buy another can of Chef Boyardee just to have it, so I can talk about it on the show. <laughs> but that can those three can- or four cans that I have, Beefaroni, you should and beef eat ravioli? it on the show. Ooh, should I?
0: We should all grab a can of Chef Boyardee from our pantry and eat it together.
2: Uh, well, we'll call it the indigestion episode. What does that sound like? All right, <laughs> n- news and notes. I was thinking to myself, like, well, we really talked about Shohei Otani. I wonder how he's affected by all this, but apparently he could be ready to pitch when the regular season starts. Yeah,
1: that would change his
2: value a lot. <laughs> <laughs> to, from what to what?
0: Uh, I mean, I, he would be among the 37, which he was originally, and then he moved out as it dwindled down to a 33. He would be back among the 37. What What kind of makes me sad about his situation is they had this, what sounded like a great plan uh because they have him take every sixth turn in the rotation instead of every fifth that's what he's used to in Japan that seems to be how they can get the most out of his bat remember when he was that first partial year when he was pitching before he got hurt he was going every sunday um which was annoying because if, if ever a start got pushed back it would mean he'd miss he'd go a whole week without making a start. So that was frustrating to deal with. But anyway, Joe Madden's plan was to have him pitch every Wednesday. They had a lot of off days lined up on Thursday so that he wouldn't really have to miss a game as a hitter to, to, to take that day off from the day he started. Um, But, you know, now obviously if they rework the season and some of those off days get swallowed up, it's, it's not going to be that straightforward and who knows what day of the week he ends up pitching, but one benefit for from that plan in fantasy was that Wednesday's right in the middle of the week, so you didn't have to worry about him uh, if, if something got pushed back, him going a whole week without making a start like we did two years ago.
2: Okay, cool. And would, would, you, would you take Otani or Chris Sale? Because the other news is that Sale began a throwing program. What do you think in there?
0: I, I think everyone's a, a little too down on Chris Sale. Like the, the flexor strain doesn't usually require surgery. I I'm kind of amazed at how late he's going. It seems like, you know, once you get in that ninth, tenth round range, there's not a lot of risk to taking him there.
2: You haven't answered yeah, the I, question. My... <laughs> I,
0: I well I guess I'm saying so you're saying Otani or Sale?
2: That's what I'm saying.
0: Um, <laughs> I think I'd be more inclined to take sale, but I I'd, I'd probably rank them similar. Is
1: my microphone muted right now? I can't tell. No, my <laughs>
0: cat is perched on my laptop. Your
1: cat keyboard,
0: is, and I can't see the screen. Yeah. He's positioned well. If you're Wilson from home improvement, <laughs> they're trying to come up with how to hide your mouth. There's like a, oh, yeah. a cat back
1: in front of it. <laughs> so, uh, No, I took Chris out 94th overall in the uh, editorial, CBS Sports editorial draft that we're doing, the slow draft. And he was my number three starting pitcher. And it was basically like, at that point in the draft, because I'm playing, if I was only playing one league, I think I'd still try to avoid it. Um, But because I'm playing so many leagues out, at that point in that draft, it felt like the right time to make that gamble.
2: Chris sale. Okay. And let's go back to Otani real quick. Let's, oh, Chris, you're on the clock. Oh, this will be fun. Let's, everybody, let's make a pick with Chris. But if Shohei Otani's ready for opening day and let's say it's sometime in June and you're in a daily lineup league, you can use him as a hitter every day or a pitcher whenever he pitches. What round are you taking him in, Scott? Daily lineup league.
0: Ah. Uh and we're assuming he's ready to pitch from the get go. Yeah. Uh, I think someone would probably take him before I do. There'd be like a Heath Cummings in the league who is just so gung-ho about this, about being able to get credit for all his pitching and all his pitching, all his pitching and all his hitting statistics because it's a daily lineup situation. Uh, that they'll, they'll they're liable to take him in like round 3 or 4. I think I think six is where the oh, yeah. obvious <laughs> enough of the obvious studs have gone off the board that I'm willing to enjoy that perk.
2: You ain't getting them. Um, I was thinking right. more like three, four. Yeah, yeah. So okay, we'll, we'll see if you if you really buy into him, if you think he's going to be great, then he probably would be worth a, a great and consistent and in the lineup enough. But.
0: It's it's partially it's just the headache factor that I'd I'd rather avoid because like. If you're if you're a one league person and this is your league and you're you're able to obsess about it to that level, okay, fine. Oh, you're saying do you setting really a want, lineup. Do you really want to con- to handcuff yourself to having to check the lineups every single day?
2: <laughs> it's that hard. Like, it's not hard. You're in you're in so many leagues. Like I can't even check my email with that consistency. <laughs> I'm bad at checking my email. I agree. Uh, but you're in too many leagues, so. Uh, you know, for most people it's really it's not that hard. Don't, are, are most not that bad. people, one
0: league people. cuz I don't I don't think so. Two anymore.
2: two to three, maybe? Uh, That's not hard. All right, so listen, Chris is on the clock. He's working on a nice little team here. He's this is a fourteen team points league with five starting pitcher, two relief pitcher spots. He has the tenth pick of the draft. He's we're in round nine. So far, Chris has Alex Bregman and Anthony Rendon. That's pretty sexy in a points league. Geez, you got Bregman 10th? Yep. Yeah, that's really good. Rendon in the second round. That's really good. Your other hitters are Jeff McNeil at in the outfield and Keston Hira at second base. And you're now oh, Utility. and you're now Utility. You have Lucas Giolito, Sonny Gray, and Chris Sale. I'm a little afraid of this team. This is a really, really good team. Luckily, Chris... Won't make any transactions and he'll forget about the league, so I know he won't win it. But maybe, maybe not with a shortened season. Maybe that's one of the benefits. We'll actually keep Chris engaged. But this is uh, a no, really good team.
0: Once football starts gearing up again,
1: look, Adam, you not you don't live too far from me. All
2: right, we might have to scrap.
0: <laughs> that is not social distancing. No. no,
2: it's not. So, all right, Chris has again Sale, Giolito, and Gray. He has Bregman, Rendon, Hira, McNeil, and Alvarez. He could use a first baseman, but he missed the first base run, so you probably don't want to take one here. Just missed Grandal, so you're not going to take a catcher. I'm thinking you're going to go with a start. I I know who I would take if I were you, but what are you thinking right now? So,
1: it is a league where sparks matter and Julio Arias is Near the top of Scott's ranks. So I'm thinking about him. I'm thinking about Matthew Boyd, who I'm really starting to talk myself into. This is a a little bit ahead of his ADP right now, but I just wrote about him, and I'm really starting to talk myself into it. Um, and this is a situation where I wish... I know Miguel Sano will have first base eligibility very early on in the season, but I would have to draft him as a reserve player right now, and so
2: I don't know
1: if I can do that.
2: That's not a big deal. You just use your last pick on Yandy Diaz, make him your first baseman for one week, and then that's and then you move Snow in. I think Miguel Sano is the best player on the board. I mean, it's a it's, points league, yeah. so you know walk the Strickler. The but
1: yeah. he was yeah. still close to a 500 fantasy point pace last season. Um, if he had played the full season, Marcus Simeon's there, but I don't have a shortstop spot or a utility spot, so I can't take him. This is the problem with filling up your infield early, which is what I did. I like all my players, but y- you start to lose that flexibility. So that- I am
2: going to go with Julio Urias as a spark. And not only did you did you fill up your infield early, you filled up your utility spot too, so you really limited your flexibility. But I was actually going to take Sano a few picks ago. I took Moustakas instead because I needed a second baseman. Um yeah, I was going to say you should take a Rios or Maeda. So. For yeah, Rios and I and I
1: actually I'm putting up my my column on the my favorite picks in each round should be going up and it just kind of reminded me that the draft all the starting pitchers for the Dodgers strategy
0: is still well and alive. I really don't a, like it. in a categories league though, you're saying. Uh yeah, I think in either. I still don't Oh God! Get this strategy. <laughs> is your cat mowing, yowling back there? I,
1: could you guys hear that? I thought that I was Scott's kittens.
2: kid. I thought one of Scott's kids was yelling in the background. It's it is yeah.
1: Matt's in this house
0: right now. One of them broke free.
1: I don't
2: like that. No. Chris has like a noticeably better team than I do. It's really starting to bother me. All well, right. Well, that was uh, that was Chris makes a draft pick, a potentially recurring segment. Let's have a player debate. Definitely a recurring segment. Chris thinks Scott is too low on Zach Allen. Scott has Zach Allen 36th overall. Chris thinks that, I said, well, who who is ahead of Allen that you want to move him ahead of? And Chris said, he needs to be in the top 25. So there are at least 11 pitchers that Scott has ahead of Zach Allen that Chris does not agree with. And Scott, what do you have to say about that tough guy? (laughs)
0: Uh okay, so let me look at some of the pictures I have ahead of him, I guess. The early I, I could not I couldn't justify twenty-five. No. I mean I could justify maybe ahead of Bumgarner, Ryu, Wheeler. Uh maybe ahead had, of
1: Bumgarner? Are you kidding me? You hate Bumgarner. <laughs> you think he stinks.
0: Okay. I do like gallon more than Bumgarner, yeah. Well, move but move him up. That's one no, spot. No, I don't I don't do this gut reaction thing with rankings. I mean there there's there has to be a certain amount of uh uh I can't think of the word, but you know, kind of like the way projections can't be too far to one end or the other. They have to take this kind of middle ground. That's that's kind of what I try to do with my rankings. I but think I, you're... I have I have a lot more shares of Gallon than Bumgarner. Then my you, ranking should rank entered, you should probably rank him ahead.
2: You should probably rank him ahead. Right? Because like, you like him better. You just said you like him better than Bumgarner, and you draft okay, him well, more.
0: I, I don't particularly like Noah Cindergard, but am I going to drop him behind Zach Gallon? I mean, kind of the reason I don't like him is because I don't like the point in the draft where I have to get him.
1: Right, but do you think Madison Bumgarner right now is better than Zach Gallon? Well, he was last year. He's he certainly has be,
2: more of a track record.
1: He was in the majors longer last wait, year. But wait, no, he but was he, actually,
2: he was better because of the home park. We know we know that, and also I reject your Cindergard comparison because Bumgarner and Gallon have nearly identical ADPs. So it's not like you okay. even have to factor in draft draft value there. All right, do it.
0: Maybe I should. Yeah, but I I will I will tell you this. I, it's not like I'm passing up bum. It's not like, it's not, hmm. it's not like I I can't re- I can't recall a draft where Bumgarner was still on the board, and I took Zach Gallon. Like by the time I'm taking Zach Gallon, Bumgarner's gone. So I don't feel like this ranking has held me back in any way. Oh man, I just got sniped in round 41 of the draft. <laughs> really? <laughs> All right, whatever. I'll move G- Gallon ahead. Good. That's fine. That's a, yes. a
2: peer pre- oh, Listen, kids, succumb to peer pressure is the way to make the most logical decisions. As we we're just gonna, found, we're it. gonna go
1: just player by player until you've got him in the top twenty-five. <laughs> I'm just gonna talk Adam and I are just gonna bully you into it. <laughs> <Yujin>
2: Ryu. <laughs> Ryu is
1: gonna throw four innings per start. Oh come on, <laughs> Ryu, he
2: doesn't strike anybody out. He's going to the AL East. He's at a terrible ballpark.
1: No, but Uh-oh. for real, Zach Gallen came up to the majors last season, had a 2.81 ERA, 96 strikeouts and 80 innings. His defense-independent pitching stats were a little bit worse. However, that was mostly the result of an inflated walk rate. He was at 10.8%. I think something like 25% of his walks came in two starts. I think he had a six-walk start and a five-walk start. This was a guy who never had issues with walks in the minors. He's got four pitches that he can command and throw in any count. He gets swings and misses with multiple pitches. And there are no injury concerns or inning concerns with him. He's the rare pitcher who in 2020, if we have a full season, could throw 200 innings. He threw 171.1 innings in 2019 with a 227 ERA and 200 strike, 208 strikeouts. Yes, most of those came in the minors, but it's not like he wasn't really, really good.
0: Uh, it, was, it was absurd. <laughs> he had he had a like a one seventy ERA in a league with like an at the like a five seventy ERA.
1: know yeah, that was the most <laughs> impressive pitching performance in professional baseball last season. Yeah,
2: don't you wish there was a little more velocity there? Because you know, that was kind of a, a knock on him. I thought coming up was he didn't have a, a heater.
1: He had. I think it was roughly average fastball velocity, it's not like he's
0: a soft tosser. He's not Kyle Hendricks. Like he wasn't getting the, the whips, you know. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very high on Gallon. Well, clearly not. I'm very. I, high. I, I'm if you're trying to argue, if you're just if your argument's just you think Zach Gallon's good, I agree. I think no, he's my, good,
1: I think he's better than Mike Soroka. I think he's better than Madison Bumgarner. I think he's I better. I think he could be than a lot of the guys you're ranking ahead of him
0: i'll i'll move him ahead of Bumgarner. garner i'm i'm not going like hyunjin ryu is 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 also good i think gallon has more upside but like i've certainly gotten burned over playing the the guy with a with a dozen career starts Right, right just assuming he's going to like just assuming everything he did was legit and uh there's no sophomore slump or anything like that. I've gotten burned several times over doing that, so I don't, I don't want to abandon the tries and trues Taking the next big thing and and Hyunjin Ryu, fair. He, he's he's let, let's let's not pretend last year came out of nowhere. He was awesome. even better in 2018. In fact, in 44 starts between the two seasons, he has a 2.21 ERA.
1: Yeah, all of that
0: is fair. Maybe Hinge and Ryu
1: should move up as well. But to go back to the thing you were saying about not wanting to get fooled by twelve starts, you have Frankie Montas eight eight spots higher.
2: Okay. You love Frankie Montas, Chris. I do. Who do you like better? Gallon or Montas?
1: Uh, I think I like Gallen more. I think Gallon is more likely to throw you know, 180 innings in a full season than Frankie That's Montas.
0: I am, I'm, I'm more excited about drafting Zach Gallen than I am about drafting Frankie Montas, but that's, that's where you have to consider. Um, uh, I, I was actually looking to see where they're going. They're actually not going that far apart on average either. Hmm. Yeah. I'll yeah. think about that one some more. I'll think about that one some more. Okay. It was a nice player to be. It's, Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's something I feel like I'm on the verge of. I feel like I'm on the verge of a point, but it's not quite coming together fast enough, so let's just move on. It's like I won the player debate. Whenever
2: you get there, Scott, you just let us know. I'm going to put in the notes, Scott makes a point. (laughs) Uh, We'll just see when it comes. (laughs) Email of the day is from Jay in St. Louis. Since the baseball season is nowhere in sight, I've decided to play the season for now on Stratomatic. Have you guys ever played Stratomatic? It's awesome. The Cardinals are my team. Yeah, that's, Stratomatic is
0: is a little before my time, I feel like, which would make it before, a little before all of our time. I mean, when there's out of the park, you know, when there's these really sophisticated computer simulators, I, I don't. I don't see the need to play a probability dice game anymore, unless you just enjoy it. That's perfectly fine. But that wouldn't be my go-to.
2: Mm. Is it anything like uh, RBI Baseball in 93 on Sega Genesis? <laughs> that would be my go-to. Stratomatic? No, it's,
0: it's, a, it's a dice game, right? It's dice, right? It's, it's, every player has a card with probabilities for certain outcomes yes. that are have been configured based on the season they just had. Yes. Mm. And then you roll dice and and simulate games that way.
2: Yeah, I'll take I'd play RBI baseball instead. Second part of the question from Jay: I was wondering with the hype surrounding Dylan Carlson for St. Louis, who would you think is a good player comp if I use their card for him from last season? Oh, interesting.
1: I mean, if you're talking about the upside, it's probably like Tommy Pham or something, right? for Dylan Carlson. I, I mean
0: I would imagine he has even more upside than that, but it's, you know, you don't want to get crazy with it. Uh I would I I would I would aim lower than Tommy Pham just because I feel like the mid ground for a rookie is is going to be less than that. Um you know who it could be?
1: Yasiel Puig. At 270, 24 homers, 19 steals. That's that seems.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that seems pretty good. Let's go with that.
2: Great stuff. Thank you for the email, Jay. More emails in a bit. FantasyBaseball at CBSi.com. Yesterday, they did rounds four through six, the best and worst picks according to average draft position. Today, we'll tackle rounds seven through nine. Okay, Chris, start us off with round seven. What were your favorite and least favorite picks of round seven? But wait, actually, I'm just hearing in my ear, we have breaking news. From the breaking news desk, Scott White makes a point. Scott.
0: I actually was just joking because I thought we were still recording. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Scott White does not
2: make a point. <laughs> Never mind. We went off the air for a second, and Scott said that he had a point to make about Zach Gallon and Frankie Montas, yeah. but he was just kidding. You
0: know what? You know what it is? Frankie Montas is an excellent ground ball pitcher, too. With with If you're believing the splitter is going to help him miss bats, like that extra skill. Uh, I, I just have more confidence in him delivering a high end outcome than I do gallon, even though gallons upside is probably higher there. My
2: point was made back to Chris, Chris, your favorite and least favorite pick of round seven. I
1: just want to say, you know how, when you, when you take the SAT and they tell you time's up and you got to drop your pens or in the great British baking show, when they tell you time's up and you can't continue messing with your bake, Scott, that doesn't count. I won the debate. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Moving on to round seven, favorite picks Giancarlo Stanton, Nelson Cruz, and Josh Bell uh, These guys are A big reason why I don't see much reason To pay up For a Pete Alonso Or a Matt Olson Guys who are going to be relatively uh, Not Entirely one-dimensional power hitters But the bulk of their value is going to come From home runs, runs, and RBI I don't Really believe Pete Alonso's a better hitter than Giancarlo Stanton. Giancarlo Stanton's going to be healthy uh, by opening day, assuming he doesn't suffer another injury. Yeah. I know that's not necessarily <laughs> the safest assumption. Back but on
2: the I.L. by the All-Star break, which won't really right exist. now, probably.
1: Giancarlo Stanton figures to be healthy by opening day. I don't see any reason to pay for Pete Alonso in the third round when you can get Giancarlo Stanton in the seventh. I don't see any reason... I mean, really, even Jordan Alvarez, who I like and who I've drafted, I you know you take him awesome. in the third, fourth round. Nelson Cruz is there forty picks later.
0: Okay, Nelson. Okay, I thought you were going to go with Stanton. but even then, I, I I would hope for a better batting average for Alvarez than than Cruz. Even definitely Stan. I mean, Stanton is a two sixty ish hitter. If yeah, he's healthy. Yeah,
1: I will. Just, like, he was the number two hitter three years ago.
0: I know, but we've already established that that was that an was outlier place. that wasn't going to happen again. And, and the whole reason you're excusing the big jump in strikeouts this first year with the Yankees, the strikeout rate spiking again, is just okay. That MVP season was an out MVP season was an outlier. That's fine. We'll just we'll just proceed with him as this 30 percent strikeout guy. It's <laughs> not a sign of decline or anything. It was just a a return to normalcy. So let's not let's not evaluate the guy. Well, but but like he's done that. It is
1: on his record. We know he is capable of that. We're well, kind of hoping your Alvarez or Pete Alonso are Wait a second! They they just did that. Not that good. Neither <sighs> of them had a season as good as Stanton's twenty eighteen
2: or twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, well. Stanton fifty eight homers and hit. Yeah, like but what 29.
2: was what was Alvarez? He hit two eighty one with fifty nine yeah, homers. Yeah, he hit 50. Alvarez hit fifty homers last year. Alvarez was really good. Uh, Stanton in 2018 was the number 22 hitter in points, number 16 in Roto. Here's the thing: you keep saying all this. You draft Jordan Alvarez more than anyone in the world. You keep drafting Jordan him, Alvarez. No, no, I've drafted him twice. Well, okay. we've only done like two leagues, so fact, you keep fact drafting check. him. <laughs> Jordan
0: Alvarez's OPS and OPS plus, if we're if we're adjusting for ERA. Uh, we're, we're both higher than Stanton's in 2017 uh, that's
2: pretty okay. that's pretty impressive but you know uh, if you can you save four rounds in your
1: in your OPS plus league Scott <laughs> in the <laughs> real world Giancarlo's <laughs> in 281 with 59 homers 123 runs and 132 RBI now we can say that didn't happen but we don't do that. To any other player
2: we don't look at Matt Olsen last year and say, well, it was his best season. We can't count it. But you're basically not counting Pete Alonso. I mean, you're saying with Pete Alonso, he's never going to have a season that good again, which is probably true. But you have to say the same exact thing for Giancarlo Stanton. He's never going to have that season.
1: Even if we say that, we know Pete Alonso's upside is not as high as Giancarlo Stanton's unless you believe he's going to be better than he was last season. And I don't. I don't need Giancarlo Stanton to be better in 2020 than he was in 2017. I, if he's as good as he was in 2018, he's a massive value
2: at this cost. That is you know, true. That's, that, I, that's not the same argument, though. I guess I, I agree. If you get a, if you get a top, if you get like the number 20 hitter in round seven, that's a huge value, and that's what he was in 2018 when he hit two sixty six with 38 home runs, 100 runs, and 100, 100 RBIs and 102 runs, and he did that with a dreadful September. Because uh, he was playing hurt. He know, 700 OPS in his last 31 games. And you mentioned Nelson Cruz in there and Josh Bell. So you like... Bottom line is you can get some serious sluggers. Joey Gallo also goes in that range. Who's your least favorite pick of round seven?
1: Least favorite pick of round seven... The guy I'm least likely to draft here is probably Jose Abreu. I don't think it's a bad pick. I think he's a relatively safe pick. But it just... When I can get guys with forty five, fifty homer potential, Jose Abreu's thirty four, thirty five homers just don't excite me all that much.
2: I think we all sort of feel that way about Jose Abreu, right, Scott? Yeah
0: i i don't I don't think I'm ever going to feel urgency to take him the way I might a Victor Robles or a, a Trevor Bauer or even a it's probably a little early for chris Sale. whose a d p is in this range, uh or Tommy Pham, who'll give you the steals even even like Suarez is in this range, another potential fifty homer guy I g- I don't feel like uh is is this where the tier is starting to run out at first base, and maybe that's why there's urgency to take a Breou next first baseman off the board, or it's a while, yeah, Reese Hoskins
2: that's why I like Encarnacion well, no, that's why I like Josh Bell and Matt Olson. But then, if I don't Car- get them, I don't really want to settle for Jose Abreu. I'd rather wait on Encarnacion or even Voight.
0: Carlos Santana's still out there. A yep. good 50 picks later. I mean, there's there's going In to Rota. be a batting average difference between those two, but it might only be 20 points. I, yeah. I don't know. That's that's 50 picks. That's a, that's worth the difference of 50 picks. Well, so, yeah, but but Santana, really
2: based on his history, could also hit like 23 home runs, and it wouldn't be a surprise. You don't know what to make of the power from last year with Santana. I know. Well, he- I know he elevated it's the ball. It's not like
0: more. it's not like a Bray who's a lock for 30 every year either.
2: Uh yeah. Okay, and then I just need to make one last point about Stanton. I'm sorry. Adam makes a point. You Scott, you call him a 260 hitter. His batting average has been so unpredictable. It's over 280, 280 or better in 3 of the last 6 seasons, but one of those 6 seasons was last year where he didn't play. Yeah, average. that doesn't count. But he, even 2 of the last 5 seasons batting 280 or better, he's I guess 260 seems like a good guess. He's a 268 career hitter. Won't be a plus in batting average, but you just never know with him. He's unpredictable there. Okay, Chris, round eight, best and worst.
1: Uh, Yeah, my favorite picks in round eight are Corey Kluber and Sonny Gray. Uh, we've talked a lot about Sonny Gray and how um, you know, his stuff took a real step forward last season. I think he kind of took some of the lessons he learned from the Yankees and applied it to the pitcher he already was, and I think it made him a much better pitcher. You talk about the second round, the second half runs that you Darvish and Jack Flaherty have gone on, gone on last season. Well, Sonny Gray wasn't that much worse. He didn't have a lot of wins, but the Reds should be better. Uh, it seems like he's not getting credit for like putting up a 2.90 ERA. With did he he went over 200 strikeouts? It was like 220 strikeouts in 170 something innings. Uh he was really good last season. And he's going in the same range as Mike Soroka, who is fine, but who, you know, profiles best as like a hundred and sixty strikeout guy uh in probably something like a best case scenario. I just think Sonny Gray is much more likely to be helpful than someone like Soroka.
2: Two hundred and five strikeouts for Gray. There oh, you go. Overall, How do you feel about the pitchers in this round? This is a... You just mentioned your two favorite picks are Kluber and Gray. Also, we have Woodruff and Soroka in this round. This is a major skip for me. I do not like this range. And I'm not going to tell you that you shouldn't like this range. I truly believe that everybody can evaluate all of these pitchers, look at the same exact data... And find guys you like. I might like one and you might dislike one. It is a personal preference. I don't know what to make of Sonny Gray. I don't trust Sonny Gray. I didn't like Corey Kluber last year going into the draft and I just think there's a chance that he's done being a good pitcher. Uh, Soroka, I don't believe in guys with low strikeout rates. I didn't like Miles Michaelis last year. Um, so, you know, I don't, I, Strowman has, Soroka to me compares to Marcus Strowman. He's not a guy that's ever going to go this high in drafts. And Woodruff is, is a one pitch pitcher basically. So this to me is a skip round in terms of starting pitchers, but I totally understand if you love these guys, Scott, where do you land on these pitchers?
0: Well, they're, they're in the 37. So there's a very good chance. One of these pitchers is my number four. There have been leagues where Sonny Gray is my number three because they feel that good about him in particular. Uh, Sonny Gray and Mike Soroka both got Cy Young attention last year. Corey Kluber Has been a perennial Cy Young contender. It's hard to say exactly how things are going to look for him this year, but if you're talking about you know your number four starter, it seems like a uh, a worthy gamble there. Um, I just want to say, like I I I understand it doesn't make sense to expect strikeouts from Mike Soroka. It's a bad idea to expect them. But the guy's 22 years old. He has four pitches. He, um, impeccable control. He just never did.
1: It. He's never done it
0: before. Right. He's 22 years old. Like he's he's already so far ahead of pace for his age. Yeah, but like, he's still 570. He's, he's, al- he's always been one of the youngest guys at every level, all the way up the minor league ladder, and he's. Dominated without the need to miss bats, so I I I definitely think he has the pitching acumen to figure out how to miss bats if he if the need to ever develops, or or maybe just even if the need doesn't develop. Like it's an Aaron Nola situation where he's he could become a strikeout pitcher after not profiling as that originally. I think it's possible.
1: I don't think Aaron Nola's strikeout rate was as low in the in the minors. I could be wrong. Chris, but I just
2: what what's what's your least favorite pick of the round?
1: Uh, I mean it's getting kind of boring for me to pick the reliever, but in this case, I really don't like Liam Hendricks as a top one hundred pick. I just buying into one great season for a reliever just seems like an easy way to get burned, and uh, I, I'm not going to do that.
2: I think what I don't really understand is why people are buying into one great season from Liam Hendricks and not buying into the same extent to two great seasons from Taylor Rogers. Rogers strikeout rate has not been great two seasons in a row. It's it was good, then it was great last year, but 263 ERA, 261 ERA. I, I think I if I remember off the top of my head, I think the whip was around 1 both years and he goes after Hendricks, and he go, he's like three closers later.
1: Well, here's an even better one. Ken Giles was nearly as good as Liam Hendricks was pretty much in every possible way last season. He did deal with injuries. He's had four like stone-cold elite seasons. He's had four seasons with an ERA of 230 or better. He's had four seasons with at least 11k per none. Yes, he's been inconsistent. Yeah. But like, that's, that's the reason why I don't see much value in drafting Liam Hendricks. We're a calendar year removed from him being a complete fantasy non-entity. And the Athletics have had a different saves leader six years in a row
0: now.
2: Scott, who do you like better, Liam Hendricks or Taylor Rogers? I
0: like Hendricks better. I mean, he showed last year the ceiling is higher. And while I I understand the risks, I think those are inherent to basically all closers. And I don't feel like it's a situation like Blake Trine in a year ago where we're paying for him like the number two closer, even though that's what Hendricks performance probably merits. I mean, I know he was number two among full time relievers in strikeout total behind only. Josh Hader. So I'll 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 go for Hendricks over Rogers. I find that I wind up with Rogers more often, but uh, that's just because I don't like to pay for closers. Uh, by the way, comparison here: Mike Soroka's minor league career, eight yeah. strikeouts per nine innings. Mm-hmm. Aaron Nola's seven point six per nine Ooh,
2: innings. Ooh, Scott makes a point and a damn good Scott one. Did. Finally make a point. (laughs) But my thing is just,
1: yes, it's possible, but we're 571 innings into his career. It's not like it's a small sample size. And basically, outside of 30 innings last season, or in 2018, 27 innings at AAA, he has never had a strikeout rate better than 8 per 9 since he was in rookie ball for 34
0: innings. It's a bold prediction kind of thing. Like I said, I, you can't draft him expecting that. You're setting yourself up for disappointment if you do. But just as as his career plays out, I'm saying don't be surprised if he figures out how to miss bats eventually.
2: And Chris, round nine. I know Chris has to bounce in a few minutes, so quickly give us the best and worst of round nine.
1: I love this round. It has so many guys that I like, but I'll start off with Nick Castellanos. Uh, I think... You know, he underperformed his expected stats basically every single season. And I think a lot of that was the result of playing in Comerica Park, which just has really deep power alleys and a really deep center field. Given his batted ball profile, I think he was especially harmed by that. And I think playing in Cincinnati is going to be an absolute boon for his value. I could see something like a 300 average, 35 homers, and a ton of runs in RBI.
2: He's been a big-time doubles and triples hitter. Last two years, 46 doubles, 5 triples, 58 doubles, 3 triples, 58 doubles. So hopefully those doubles become home runs. What's the worst pick of round nine?
1: Uh, I don't know. There's not really any picks that I don't like. The player that I've drafted the least, probably Ramon Laureano, actually. I'm not a big fan of him around the hundredth pick. There's a lot I know of picks I don't disgusting.
2: like. <laughs> there's there's a several there are several picks I don't like. I mean,
0: yeah, I I feel like there's a drop off here in in terms of upside. This is where. Let me read the round uh, actually.
2: So we got Castellanos, Kenley Jansen, Mike Mustakas. I'm sorry, I should have been doing this from the start so people weren't just guessing who was in the round. I apologize. Uh, it's on Fantasy Pros out there, ADP. Castellanos, Kenley Jansen, Moustakas, Luis Robert, Marcelo Zuna, Carlos Correa. Holy cow, love that one. Ramon Laureano, Brad Hand, Taylor Rogers, and Zach Wheeler. So, Scott, you think there's a drop-off in this yeah, round?
1: Eduardo Escobar and Tim Anderson.
2: Oh, I stopped there. I'm cool. sorry. Yeah, Eduardo Escobar and uh, Tim uh, Anderson, uh, I, and those those are not... Those are not picks I love either in this round, round nine. See, there are, yeah.
1: I really like Tim Anderson. I think there are five hitters going in this round who I could easily see finishing as top 25 hitters next season.
2: And Anderson's one of them?
1: And Anderson's one of them, yeah, because there just aren't a lot of guys who are going to hit, who can hit 20 homers and steal 20 bases. And I buy the improvements that he made as a hitter last season. I think, obviously, he's not going to sustain whatever it was, a 390-something Babbitt but i think he probably based on what he did last season at least probably profiles as more of like a 28290 hitter i think the power gains were real and you know if he can hit 20 homers and steal 25 bases which he pretty much did last season even in less than a full season
0: well no 2018 he did it last year he had 18 homers and 17 steals so okay. it, was far but it was on the steals especially
2: yeah it was 123 so, games yeah or, he was on a
1: pretty close to that pace. So
0: I, I feel like most likely outcome he and Ramon Laureano are similar. Most likely outcome is about 20 homers, 15 to 20 steals and a good bat. Good, but not great batting average. Is that fair?
2: Doesn't sound like yeah. a bad player. Sounds like a pretty good player. Maybe I should no, they're, be open-minded they're both pretty there. good, but yeah, maybe I should be more open-minded there. Uh, yeah, there are some really good hitters. I mean, Correa. I have never seen him go a hundred So we'll I think you see have. About that. I a- think you have. have I
0: it. some of our mocks, he's fallen beyond like round ten, no. or at least into round ten.
2: Uh, okay, I don't remember that, but that's too late for me for, for Correa. <laughs> What's my favorite no. Correa stat? Go ahead. I'll give it. I'll give a good Correa stat. Make your point.
0: I agree. If you look at his per game production last year, he was an elite shortstop. He actually bounced back from a, a rough twenty eighteen. It's just I, I guess people are frustrated by the injuries and a back injury especially that can be uh that that can be especially ruinous. I mean, yeah. It's it's really impacted the back end of Clayton Kershaw's career here.
2: Oh and yeah, and, Kershaw uh, sucks. <laughs>
0: No, but you know what I mean. Yes. Like he's, had, he's had DL stints four of the past five years for his back.
2: Yeah, yeah. So Correa, this is the stat, in the last five seasons, I did minimum 280 at-bats because that's what he had last year. He has ranked among shortstops in OPS. He's been first, sixth, first, 18th, and third. So he's been top yeah. three three times. He's been top six four times out of five years. And he just had a bad year in 2018, but that's not who he is. He's, when healthy, when he's right, he's, one of the best-hitting shortstops in baseball, and that's saying something, because there are a lot of really good shortstops. Bye, yep. Chris.
0: Bye, guys. All right, Chris so has the Eat some Chef Boyardee. Eat some Smarties. <laughs> Eat some
2: sweet tarts. Something.
1: I think I have a couple sweet tarts left. I'm going to have to go uh, go dig in the pocket of the pants I was wearing last night. Thank you.
2: <laughs> oh, You're wait. Le- real quick. You know how I love raisins so much? I, oh, fa- yeah. I found uh, in my washing machine a loose raisin. That must have been... <laughs>
1: How did you know it was a raisin?
2: <laughs> I saw it. I just like it was actually a grape. It was a raisin. It was definitely <laughs> it's definitely
1: dehydrated a, I, in the wash.
2: A dime and a raisin fell out of one of my pockets and just ended up being in the washing machine. Yeah. That's gross. And it was delicious after I ate it. Okay, bye, Chris. Uh, Scott, let's read some I emails. A, I
0: found a lens cap in the washing machine yesterday.
2: Uh, that's always fun. This is a fun that's game. A, what do we find in the, wa- in the washing machine? Yeah. Uh, all right. This is from Hugo. Cool name, by the way, Hugo. Can you talk a little bit about Indians reliever James Karinchak? I wish I knew how to pronounce his name. i got to look that up. Karinchak, Karinchak. He shot through the minors really fast, had 80 strikeouts in 30 innings last year before getting a brief stint with the Indians. Those strikeout numbers, even in the upper levels of the minors, seem legit. Even if he doesn't get the closer role from hand, can he have a legitimate roto value with ratios and strikeouts similar to Josh Hader? This is James Karinchak for the Indians. And if not, who are some guys you think could be the next hater?
0: Yeah, I feel like I may have slept on James Karinchak because I've seen him go in some of these larger rotisserie leagues and and thought, huh, I need to look into that that guy more. Um, But yeah, I mean, the strikeout rate was off the charts. And now that... uh, Uh, the guy they got in the Corey Kluber trade, whose name is escaping me. Now that he's out for the year with an injury, they're, they don't have a next in line, an obvious next in line to close. So I could, I could definitely see Karen Chack becoming that. So yeah, among, among middle relievers, he seems like a viable target if you're in the sort of league that values middle relievers. I'm
2: going to try to get his pronunciation. So Emmanuel
0: Clace it. was the name I was thinking of.
2: Okay. going to read the next email here. And then I'm going to listen to how his name is pronounced. It's a very important thing for me. This is from Brandon. Or class A.
0: Sorry, Emanuel class, class A. a. <laughs> class A.
2: Right. <laughs> I was offered Trevor Story and Liam Hendricks. Giving up Story and Hendricks, getting Garrett Cole and Eduardo Escobar. It's a 12-team points league. Should I do it? I also have Verlander, Kershaw, Morton, Montas... Yates and Taylor Rogers. That's a pretty good pitching staff. Would you give up Story and Hendricks for Cole and Eduardo Escobar?
0: The well, he already has. He already has four of my thirty-seven. And is this a categories or a points league? Points league. Yeah, I think you have to do it.
2: Okay, I can't find this guy's stinking pronunciation. Get Cole,
0: Get Cole while you can.
2: Uh, and next email, Scott in Rochester. I've got Grandal. In my one catcher league, daily moves, twelve team roto league uh with daily moves, one hundred and sixty innings limit, blah blah blah. we have eight bench spots, six i l spots. Would you take James McCann with your last pick in the draft and just slot him in on grandall's off days? I don't like that strategy personally
0: it's i I don't feel like it's a rewarding enough use of a bench spot i I feel like you're going to need those bench spots or other things I mean if if this is a daily moves league maybe there will be certain days when you could just pick up McCann and do it that day like if you have if you feel like you have a roster spot to play with but I don't feel like I don't feel like that's a good long-term use of that spot
2: I'm on MLB.com looking for videos this is how I typically get pronunciations or I go to YouTube and I try to find like interviews with guys if they have almost every pitch they have a video of every pitch that this guy Mm -hmm. is making this is insane they usually come up with a a compilation video of his outing or a bunch of strikeouts or something james karinchak ball to bryce harper james karinchak foul to bryce harper james (laughs) karinchak ball to reese hopkins i don't want to see this what are you doing who's going to look at that one pitch eight second video
0: i don't know how many views does it have
2: I don't know if I can find that out. Let's see the foul ball to Reese Hoskins video. How many views does this have from September 21st, 2019? It's not telling me. Oh, yep, he threw a pitch, and it was fouled away. It was 98 miles per hour. What a video. What an experience. Daniel from Los Angeles. Would you trade a $23 U Darvish for a $1 Mike Soroka and a $2 Max Kepler? to be kept in a 12-team 6x6 Roto League with a 360 budget. Each team can keep up to 12 players. You're giving up a $23 Darvish, you're getting a $1 Soroka and a $2 Kepler. 360
0: budget. So that's a nice discount for Darvish given how big the budget is. Usually we work with 260 and 23 would be about right. A little high, but about right in that scenario. But 360, that's a nice discount. Still, I don't Unless you're specifically worried about strikeouts, because the gap there could be pretty big between Darvish and Soroka. I don't feel like, just in terms of overall expectations, they're that far apart. Uh, so I would get the bigger discount there from Soroka and Kepler and, and deal Darvish.
2: Last question here comes from Dan from somewhere near, near the Field of Dreams. Uh, is that Borington, Iowa? That's I think that's where Field of Dreams was filmed. The most boring movie of all time. Ooh.
0: I thought you were actually naming
2: a place. That's wherever Field of Dreams is, is Borington. Okay. Dear Nano Al Heath and Herc, the CBS Podcast Hall of Fame. Fellas, my league is a 12-team points league with an emphasis on innings and run prevention. Can you think of some mid-to-late-round pitchers to target for this superior inning potential and run prevention, even if they don't have much K potential? Can you also talk about John Means and was his season for real? He was very useful in my league last year.
0: Well, the part of the problem with this is that if you're like uh, the pitchers who happen to prevent runs over a, a, a high number of innings without getting the strikeouts, they, they typically had good luck. It's not something you can bet on them doing again. And John Means, I, I feel like, would fall into that category. Uh, I feel like the best way a pitcher can overcome a low strikeout rate and still be effective is, is getting a lot of ground balls. And somebody like Brad Keller immediately stands out there. Not sure what the win potential is pitching for the Royals, but he's, he's pretty good in that regard.
2: Well, Scott, I think there are two, two pitchers that immediately come to mind to me. I imagine they go too high in this league, though. I'm not sure. would be Dallas Keiko and Marcus Stroman terms yep. of innings. Both and, of those fit. You know, I mean right.
0: Dallas Keuchel's had trouble staying healthy, but start to start he gives he gives you a good seven innings uh with pretty good consistency. Miles Michaelis might be somebody to look into. Uh he's he's going he he was falling because of an injury, but obviously he's going to be ready for the start of the year too. So uh but but just as a general rule I would lock in on ground ball rate, go look at the league leaders in that on fan graphs and uh maybe pick out some sleepers based on that
2: what about merrill kelly would he fit this he's
0: probably not gonna have a rotation spot yeah
2: well he's he competing with mike Leake? and he's not
0: he's not really a ground ball pitcher like like the kind i'm talking about
2: okay all right well start there good advice Good show. Thank you to Scott. Thank you to Chris. Thank you to all of you for listening. I'm off tomorrow. Got to do a lot of stuff for CBS Sports HQ, which you should be watching. So please check uh, CBS Sports HQ out. Download the CBS Sports HQ app. And it's 24-7 streaming sports coverage the way you like it. None of that ridiculous talk and loudmouths talking about stuff they don't know about. It's very smart coverage of sports. CBS Sports HQ app. For Scott, for Chris, I'm Adam. See you Friday. Have a good one.